And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. I'm super excited to be joined today by Ryan Macbeth. Um, For those of you who don't know, you can't see his face on our podcast today, but he's a budding YouTube celebrity. And if you've watched any YouTube content about the war in Ukraine and other military stuff, you've probably seen him before. Uh, Really excited to talk today about his journey from software developer, military, to now a YouTube star and and learn some uh, tidbits from him. Before we get started, I do remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Please visit fullscale.io to learn more. Ryan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. Do you mind if I smoke? I, I hope that's okay. I, it's okay. You know, you're. I think you're sitting by the beach, having a having a cigar, like living the dream, man. I love it. Yeah, I've been trying to find a good orange smash. I, I, yeah, you know, I used to love coming to Virginia Beach, and I finally tried an orange smash, and I thought, oh my god, this is amazing. There's this place called Waterman's. And it's right by the beach on Virginia Beach. And they have the most amazing drink called a cream, creamsicle orange smash. And I think I tried one and I had four of them. <laughs> Is that an alcoholic <laughs> drink? Is that alcoholic? Uh, yeah, it, it, I, it's, I believe it's Sprite and Triple Sec and okay. I think vodka. And I'm not a vodka kind of guy. I'm a bourbon guy, really a rye guy. You know? Okay. But oh my God, this stuff's absolutely amazing. I love it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here today. And, um, you know, so you were in the military for about 20 years or how long were you in the military? Yeah. And so, I, um... and so I was going to say, you, you know, I almost joined the military. You and I are probably about the same age. You might be just a little older than I am. I almost joined the military uh, right out of high school, I think, for the same reason as you, which was to help pay for college. I was going to join the reserves. Is that kind of the path you started down or what, what led yeah, you into I... the military? It was it was one of those things where you know I I uh, I was in high school and I was kind of on track to become a carpenter and there's nothing wrong with being a carpenter no you know I I, I kind of grew up you know poor Irish in a in a little town called Lindenwald uh, the uh, the 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 pond that they use for cooling at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is actually bigger than the town I grew up in oh jeez <laughs> so. And uh, the so we're fine. The nuclear power plant is fine. They have plenty of water. But uh, for for me, you know, I, I took computer classes in school. I learned coding. I learned like Visual Basic, or uh, actually Basic, plain Basic before there was even Visual Basic. And I was, you know, I want to do computers. You know, my guidance counselor was like, "No, you, you should be a carpenter." <laughs> you know, like shunting me into that. Yeah. And you know, if if you can't get money for college from your father. Get it from your uncle, you know your uncle, uncle Sam. Sam. <laughs> uncle Sam. And uh, you know, it took me eight years 
to graduate college and 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 to to kind of paraphrase the movie tommy boy there's lots of people it takes eight years to graduate college <laughs> they're called doctors right yes eight years you know uh, uh, when i was in iraq and I, I would you know would come back from mission or get off whatever we were doing and you know clean your weapons you rack out you know clean my weapon take out my laptop and start doing homework it's just it's kind of what i had to do um, so you were got going, it, I, so you were in college at the same time you were full time in the in the military yeah. which makes it a lot harder to do and deploy and yeah. that it it does make it a lot harder to do but a lot of it's just you know it's it's um how do you i don't know like the difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you choose to do right sure and you know you can choose to get off get off work and go play video games or you can choose to go study yeah. One of these things is going to have a positive outcome. There's nothing wrong with video games. Absolutely nothing wrong with video games. But you, know, you, you can't complain about where you are in life if you haven't taken steps to kind of improve it. Absolutely. So you were you, you said so you were in Iraq. Did you were you in Afghanistan as well? I never made it to Afghanistan. My, okay. my two the two main deployment areas I went to were Iraq and Egypt. And, okay. Uh, yeah, were I, you in the were you in the thick of the war part of Iraq, or were you in the later phases of it? So when I was in Iraq, it was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So that was during the surge. Okay. And yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say thick of the war. You know what, what's what's weird is that I often say I spent twenty years sitting in a Humvee smoking cigarettes. Like that that was my job. And like once in a while, they'd be like, "Okay, we want you to drive down this road and see if anybody blows you up." <laughs> we want to see what happens. No, right? jeez. So you know, it's it's one of those things where I look at. Like I've said, it, I've been mortared before, but I haven't been mortared. Not even close to what uh, people in Ukraine are experiencing all day long. Like not even remotely close. And I don't just cover Ukraine. I cover conflict areas around the world: Iran, um, Sudan. I've talked about uh, Taiwan, um, and you know when you when you look at when you look at the LISCO environment, the large scale combat operations environment, the kind of fighting that we did in Iraq and Afghanistan, that that it was combat because bullets are flying by your head or you're getting mortared. But in the future LISCO environment, there's not going to be a safe area. The adversary is going to be able to find you. They're going to be able to target you. So there's not going to be any fobs where we have a Pizza Hut and a Burger King. We can get off and, and go enjoy ourselves at Green Beans Coffee. No, there's going to be there's going to be some some serious issues in a Lisco environment when we're fighting an adversary uh, that is peer or near peer to our technology. So after your 20 years in the service, yeah. or, so were you able to actually technically retire? You actually retired, retired, I retired. Vet. Yeah, I got my and so, ID card. Yes, but you do you are still in the reserves or anything like that? I was uh, in the National Guard the last few years before I retired, so that worked out pretty darn okay. well for me. So you were able to, uh, you got your degree while you were you know trying to go through all this, uh, and then immediately were able to go work in software engineering in military related space or did it take you a while to get into the military related stuff as well it took me a little while at first i was i was working at a company called price systems which did um cost estimation parametric cost estimation for um 
various clients, including the military. I worked at a company that did um, it did uh, uh, payroll software, and okay. honestly, that was probably one of the highest stress jobs <laughs> that I had ever had. Because you don't want to fuck. Must... You don't want to mess no, up. No, you don't want to mess that up. You don't. You know, and I was almost like on a strike team where we're always looking at new taxes, you know, and those new taxes, we had, we always had to write code around those new taxes. Yeah. And some local town might come up with an ordinance or a law saying, all right, if you hire a fifth person, yeah, uh, yeah. they you have to pay a certain amount of tax only if they were hired after the 15th. It's like. And so they pass these laws and they don't think about the software developers that oh, yeah. implement this stuff. So you're always looking at any new laws that come into play. And then you um, then you uh, move forward with, with the software that actually gets those uh, gets that stuff coded. And because if you screw something up, the employer is still on the hook for it, even yeah. if they were using your software. And who are they going to sue? They're going to sue you. So then how, so how long have you been doing the open source intelligence and YouTube and, and all of that, that part of it? I, I started the YouTube channel as actually a, a programming channel. There was a guy I interviewed who like he, he, I, I knew that he knew his stuff, but he couldn't articulate the answers to questions properly. And I was thinking like, man, you know, that, that, it, he got blackballed. Like essentially, like in this panel interview, the guys were like, "No, that we can't hire this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about." And I was thinking, man, you know, this guy—he does know what he's talking about. He just can't articulate it correctly. So I started a programming channel in 2020, where I would teach how to answer programming questions in job interviews. Okay. And round about 2000 or um, 2020. Um, 2022, when the uh, when the war kicked off in Ukraine, I made two videos, one on how to kill a tank, because I was I had been anti-armor infantry for 20 years, and the other on um, why the tank turrets pop off their hulls. Yes. And I think I saw those first videos. (laughs) My channel just exploded and I'm, I'm looking at it going like, man, you know, people want this. Like, you know, you watch the news and they can give you a good uh, 40, you know, 40 second update on the ta- on the strategic situation. But they very rarely ever answer the tactical questions like, why do Russian soldiers wear butt pillows? Yeah, so I can spend time talking about why they do that. And people want to know, like, How come yeah, I want to know their pillows on their butt. And that video I built, I, I did uh, this uh, this one um this one video about uh, Bitcoin, like I built my own uh, cryptocurrency and I open sourced everything, put it up on GitHub. You can download it yourself. It was all in .NET. And it was basically to show how Bitcoin works and actually to show like maybe you shouldn't invest in Bitcoin because like a guy like me can write this in two weeks. Well, I did that and it got 5000 views. I do a video on why Russian soldiers wear butt pillows. <laughs> 2.2 million views. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I see what you want here. All right. I guess I guess we're going more butt that. pillows. So butt, yeah. So that so before you were doing that, like uh, you know, a couple of years ago now, 18 months ago, whatever, had you still been involved in the open source intelligence and military stuff, or had you kind of taken a break for all of that? 
and this kind of so revitalized at, all of it for you or? When I started my YouTube channel, I was working for Accenture, uh, Accenture Federal Services, uh, doing something called C4ISR, Command Control Communications Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance. Basically, we find bad guys. So I can't really get in, into that deeply as to how, you know, the, the nature of the job, but we use You found bad guys with software. We found bad guys with software. Okay. And there were certain sensors that we could use to figure out where the bad guys were. Uh, optical sensors, electronic sensors, size nice. sensors. So that kind of led me into knowing a little bit about this. And, and also the open source intelligence is really just taking a look at what is open. I and mean, there's multiple ways of gathering intelligence, human intelligence, like talking to people, signals intelligence, intercepting signals. And Open source intelligence is really just taking a look at what is available openly, either on the internet or in public records, uh, even things like books or paper, and figuring out what the adversary is doing based on that. So if, if you want to know how many soldiers are in the Russian army, there's a couple of ways to do that. One is you could literally look at their website and see how many soldiers they say are in their army. The other thing you could do is take a look at their contracts and say, all right, well, there was a contract issued for 200,000 pairs of boots. So you know that, all right, there's a contract issued for 200,000 pairs of boots. Uh, if each soldier gets two boots, that means they're bringing on an additional 100,000 soldiers, roughly. Yeah. So that's, that's a way to use open source intelligence, just taking a look at publicly available information and drawing conclusions from that. Well, and that's one of the most fascinating things about this war, and which is definitely different than every war before, is all of the social media that exists, right? And there's like endless amounts of drone footage and like GoPros, you know, footage from the, the the infantry and everybody else. Like there is so much video out there of all these different things going on. And there's guys like you that help curate some of that and help tell interesting stories. But how in the world do you keep up with all of that? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, a lot of it is that people send me stuff. You know, they'll, I, I'm at the point now where people send me stuff and say, hey, can you take a look at this video? Is this real? Is this fake? Um, I do spend a lot of time on Telegram, on Russian Telegram and on Twitter. Uh, and I, I kind of take a look at what is trending. Uh, I also, uh, I get emails from all over the world. Sudan is, is one particular case where I had people in Sudan emailing me information. Um, another example is the um, uh, Iran. When uh, Shamani was essentially murdered, uh, this woman was beaten to death for wearing a hat the wrong way. She wasn't wearing her hijab correctly. She was picked up by the religious police. Right. She was brought to detention. At some point in time, they beat the living daylights out of her. And she ended up in a hospital where she later died. And there were riots. Well, yep. I had people in Iran saying, help me, help me. Teach me how to make a bomb. You know, just like, whoa. <laughs> Number one, ITAR. All right. The international, uh, IT, uh, international trafficking and uh, ITA uh, arms regulation. So I, I can't teach anyone how to make a bomb. Number one, ITAR. Number two, I don't know how to make a bomb. And if I don't know how to make a bomb, you don't know how to make a bomb. And if you don't know how to make a bomb, you shouldn't be making bombs. There, there is no such thing as a <laughs> bomb maker who got a B. You know, you're graded pass fail when it comes to bombing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so don't make any bombs. 
But what I was able to do was uh, when people were shot, uh, I said, send me the shell casings. Yes, and I saw your videos on that. Casings. Yes, yeah, I can. I can detect. I can figure out. All right, where was this shell manufactured? What kind of shell is it? You know, at one point, these guys were using essentially anti-material guns against protesters, dishkas, dishka rounds, um, which are essentially fifty-caliber rounds. They're about as big as your thumb, and uh, that's like, oh, man. There's there is no reason for that. Like that's like zombie horde kind of stuff. You don't shoot that against protesters, but I was able to document that. And now we have documentation so that if there's people in power in Iran, if Iran ever gets overthrown by the people, at least we'll be able to go to that documentation. I can say this shell casing was fired in this city at this time. And we can that's, maybe find that's incredible. Out. Well, I do remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit FullScale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and see what developers are available to join your team. Visit FullScale to learn more. Uh, you know, I really want to try one of those orange smashes. Is that just a Virginia Beach thing? <laughs> I think it is. I, I've never seen it anyplace else. Um, and I, I absolutely love this darn thing. It's, uh, I think it's an Eastern Shore thing. It might be like Eastern Shore, Maryland, Virginia Beach, Mid-Atlantic kind of thing. But where are you located? I'm in Kansas City. Probably not a lot of Orange Smash in Kansas City. No, never heard of Orange Smash before. <laughs> we got a lot of barbecue, though. I, I've heard that barbecue is fantastic. One day I'm going to make it there, and I'm going to try some of that stuff. There's no beach, sorry, but there's barbecue. So tell me, you were working as a software developer, but you're no longer working as a software developer, right? Yeah, I um, I just so <laughs> so my project actually ended. We handed off our software to the client, and you know the client was happy with the software. And you know, typically on government contracts, when you, when you work for a large contracting company like Accenture Federal, they uh, take that information. Or they, they, you know, once you give the software over, they put you what's called on the bench. And you basically, it's go sit over here. We'll find you a new job. We'll pay you as you're waiting for this new job. Because it's, it's hard to find a cleared software developer. So they want to hang on to them as best they can. And yeah, I, I, during that time, I didn't have to go into work. I was living in Silver Spring, Maryland. And, you know, I was thinking like... I went down to Virginia Beach and I, I stayed with a friend for uh, about a month. And I'm sitting here going, you know, every day I can go out on the beach. I can run on the beach. <laughs> I can, I can uh, smoke a cigar outside. Nobody yells at me. Like this, this place is amazing. Why am I not living here? And, uh, you know, between that and like looking at my YouTube channel and subscribers, I thought like I probably have enough resources and and revenue streams to be able to to do this full-time do the journalism thing full-time and also to um to be able to still donate money um i don't talk a lot about what i do donation wise i don't know if it's a protestant thing but you don't you know you don't do a good deed and then advertise it you know um, but people have heard me talk about Help Is On The Way UA, which is run by Johnny Rogers, who basically drives around Ukraine in a van helping people. Wow. Um, so I've been able to give him money for him to accomplish his mission. 
and encourage other people to give him money to accomplish his mission as well, which is essentially bringing medical supplies and aid to people that are close to the front lines. Just recently, the guy uh, found a guy in a village who was starving to death because he is uh, he needed new dentures. And, you know, you don't think about that during wartime. You don't think about all the people who need new dentures, who still need to go to get their cancer treatment. You think about trauma, you think about amputees, you think about TBI, you know, traumatic brain injury, but you don't think about the guy that needs to go get new dentures. The Red Cross isn't helping this guy get new dentures, but Johnny driving around in his van is actually doing this. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of proud of that, that I'm able to get money to this person who's doing that good thing. And I should be able to still continue to do that. So you're able to, this will also enable you to invest a lot more time, right, into your YouTube channel and other things you were doing. I would imagine that was that was hard before, right? I mean, while you were on the bench, it was probably a little easier. But when you were working full time, it was it was probably pretty hard to, to balance and put all the effort into this. You know, in all honesty, I, I have no life. I, you know, when I was working for Accenture. I, I was I was writing code. Really, I was managing the people I was writing the code. I was writing code. I was doing my YouTube channel. I was working out. Believe it or not, I actually do do run and uh, and uh, sleeping. That was it. I was doing four things. And yeah, you know, it the biggest issue with working for Accenture was that whenever I wanted to cover a story, I had to take time off. And, you know, so you're only getting, I think, uh, I think I was getting like 6.7 hours per pay period when I was at Accenture. So that works out to 20 days a year, roughly. So that, that's great. A lot of people don't even get 10 days a year. But those, those 20 days a year, I'd use very judiciously. And now, you know, uh, when someone calls me and is like, hey, can you go to, uh, hey, can you come and cover the military police with the National Guard? We're going to Fort Indian Town Gap. Will you come cover that story? Like, I'll be there. I can do that now. Yeah. Um, there was, um, I was invited by another another reporter, I, I guess a colleague. Uh, well, I didn't call him a friend, Chuck Holstrom from uh, Newsmax. He's going to Armenia in, uh, I think. I think in late July, maybe September, um, and he asked for me to go with him to go to the front lines in Armenia. And that's that's something I would love to cover as well. Wow. I would love to be able to go to Ukraine uh, and go to the front lines there and cover a story there. And in, in um, oh God, in uh, August, I'm supposed to be doing an aerosol with the 101st Airborne and in bed with them for a couple of days and do a mission and, and do a video on how, how aerosol works. So by doing this full time, now I have a chance to cover all the stories I've always wanted to do, but just didn't have the time off to do. So now that you're all focused on your YouTube channel, how do you deal with, you know, potentially paid partnerships and monetizing it and, and all that part of it? Well, when it comes to the, the paid partnerships, I actually, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, 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 judgmental about who I take and, and who I, I choose to skip over. Uh, I, I don't really um, see myself doing a commercial for like a fantasy video game. You know, like that's sure. just not me. You know? uh, so I, I only tend to take products that I would personally use or that I do personally use. Uh, Ridge Wallet, that, that's a good example. I love my Ridge Wallet. And my doctor actually suggested my Ridge wallet to me when I had sciatica. And this was a, a perfect synergy. 
another example uh, of something that I, I use a lot is ground news. You know, uh, people, oh, they always try to pigeonhole me left or right. And, you know, I, I get I get crap for going on conservative channels uh, like Newsmax or I went on Sebastian Gorka once and I get crap for going on liberal news channels. And I, I'm really nothing. <laughs> you know, so Ground News was actually a, a perfect sponsor because uh, it actually allows you to show your biases when it when it comes to the news that you consume. So do you get an overwhelming amount of people reaching out to you now for that kind of stuff? They, they go to my agent. I have an agent, and the agent takes care of absolutely everything. And he'll send me stuff and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Would this be a good synergy? Uh, there was a uh, one, one company wanted to, uh, it was like, a, they called it Manbox. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, it was basically like a box full of meat. And I'm like, that's like Ryan McBeth in a box. No vegetables, <laughs> you know, just bacon and like steak. And I'm, heck yeah, I'll, I'll like, have him send me a box and I'll, I'll, how can it be bad, right? You know, like you're going to have a bad. So um, uh, like companies like that, like, hey, I'll try it. And if I like it, I'll actually, I'll endorse them or I'll, I'll use their products. So I only tend to take sponsors that, um, I only tend to take sponsors that I would actually use. And it it seems like that has worked out pretty well for me because it 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 I give it that that sense of um authenticity. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And so the, I, so so let me ask you this. So I thought I've heard before that you know you can make more money off those kinds of partnerships than you can the actual money you would get from YouTube or TikTok or something, right? The money you get from YouTube isn't that good uh, when let's say I do uh, I, I might do a short video I mean I, I can actually look at my stats right now and taking a look at one short video that I did which is our Russian blocking detachments actually that's probably isn't a good video um, a good video would be about Bradley's and leopards that were destroyed in Ukraine and taking a look at that content right now, I have made $17. Okay. <laughs> on a video that got uh, 551,000 views. So you're not going to get rich on making shorts every day. You, you, you might be if you're an attractive 26-year-old woman who can dance. I'm not. You know, like, so, it's just not that that's not who I am. But you make and a lot more money on the long form videos than the shorts. It I can I, I can make more money depending on how long the video is and how many people view it. So uh, I try to mix my videos with uh, videos that are what are called long tail. So those would be videos that are things like how an M777 Howardser works, how the Patriot missile system works. Because those videos will make money essentially forever. They'll yes, just keep yes. making money. Uh, th those can make, you can maybe get up to $1,000 with them. You know, and then over time, they'll make $22 a month, $50 a month, $60 a month, and so on. Then I come up with topical videos. Uh, for example, there was, uh, there was an incident where... Um, the um, Harkova Dam was the, the the dam collapsed, and so I had to. I, I took a look at that. I, I actually spent about fifteen hundred dollars on satellite. Oh footage. wow! 
you know, gathering all this information and analyzing the dam collapse is I wanted to see what did Russia blow up the dam or was it a structural failure? And, you know, during wartime, structural failures happen as well. You need to do maintenance on that dam. If you're, if you're a Russian uh, marine maintenance company and they're asking you to do some maintenance on a dam that's two, 800 meters away from Ukrainian lines, are you going to say yes to that contract? Probably nope. not, right? So, but that's, so on a video like that, I might make $500 and then it's, it's done, right? Like hundreds, thousands of people might view it but that's not going to go on forever. That's going to go for two, three days, and then you're done. So it's good to have a mix of those two different kinds of videos. And a, a video like my long form stuff, look, for my video about um, the, uh, the sniper school, I flew to, um, I flew to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, which is now, I believe, Fort, Fort Moore. I... In, embedded with the snipers, I paid for my rental car, I paid for all my food, and for three days I got video footage. So that trip cost me about five thousand dollars for the flight and the rent. All rental cars are expensive, right? And I had to rent a truck because you're going on ranges and stuff. So five thousand dollars. I am never going to see that money again. That money is gone. I'm never going to make that money up from from doing that video, but. My fans like it. You know, they like to know, like, oh, this is how a sniper works, you know? So in a way, it's kind of worth it because the fans get something out of it, even though I, I really don't make any money. I'm never going to make that money back, ever. That's gone. Uh, if I go to Armenia, if I go to Ukraine, I mean, it kind of sounds silly to say, oh, I, I'm not going to make any money. I mean, there's people who are freaking dying. But at yeah. the same time, I have to live, right? I have yeah. to... You know, there's a reason why newspapers cost money, right? Because they have to pay the people that, that operate the newspaper. So I, I can make, it depends. You can go between $500,000 with some of the, the shorter videos. But people don't, another thing people don't realize, it took me, I'm, I made a video about landmines. It took me 200 hours oh, wow. to make this video. So you think of yourself, if you're working at McDonald's, so 200 times, <laughs> say you're getting $14 an hour, $2,800. So in 200 hours, you can make $2,800. Uh, and I can tell you exactly how much money I made up, uh, I made on my landmine video. And that landmine video, I made $1,264. And you spent so, 200 hours mostly like researching, researching for the topic or? Researching, interviewing, con constructing the graphics, because I, I do everything myself. Right. So I, I, I have to construct graphics on how landmines explode, how an anti-personnel landmine explodes, how an off-route mine explodes, how an anti-tank mine explodes. I have to construct all of those graphics. I don't have a team. It's just me. So I got to construct all that stuff. And then I got to write the script, and then I got to perform. But performing usually takes 30, 40 minutes. On a, with a script. Performing is actually pretty fast. But then you got to edit it. And I would say it probably takes me an hour to do one minute of footage. So, wow. and, and that's because a lot of it's my style. So that might not be the case for every YouTuber, uh, especially YouTubers who just talk at the camera, right? If you're a YouTuber who just talks to the camera, then you can get things done a lot faster. But if 
you know, my style is usually every five to 10 seconds, I'm showing a graphic or I'm showing a video or I'm showing something. So I have to go out and I have to find all those videos. I have to find the right point in those videos. So let's say I'm talking about the Bradley fighting vehicle. I'm saying, well, you know, the Bradley fighting vehicle's 25 millimeter auto cannon can fire on two modes, single, single and burst, or you know, single and full auto. And so now I got to go, I got to go to Divids, which is the government's website that has a lot of this open source uh, or um, Creative Commons video footage. I got to find a video of the Bradley. Then I got to find a video of the Bradley shooting its gun in single shot mode. Then I got to find a video that, so you got to watch all these, but there's no fast. That's a lot of work. Doing. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And I, I often, I, people have told me like, oh, I want to start a YouTube channel. And I'm like. It's, it's a like labor eating, of love. It's a labor of love, right? It's like eating a bowl of glass every day. All <laughs> like, it's like waking up and eating a bowl of glass. Well, I, I, I mean, thank you for doing it. Like, I, I enjoy your, your videos. And I, I think a, a lot of the reason that people enjoy it is the quality that you put into it, right? You don't just spit out a bunch of, of garbage. I mean, it's, it's that quality. I so. And I, I think that I think that for I think a labor of love is one one way of putting it. I'm not going to get rich doing this. I'm probably going to make. I was I said before I was making more money doing doing the YouTube thing and the software thing, but the software thing was nice because it was consistent. Right. Every month I knew I was getting a check. Right now I'm still getting a check, but God knows what this that check's going to be. And if they change so, the algorithms and everything else too. Well, one of the one of the major issues that I was hit with was when YouTube essentially banned combat. Yeah. So they banned combat footage and like that I had videos what's called go yellow. Yeah. Which means yeah. you're not earning any revenue off those videos. Or, or you can earn revenue, but they're um, they're only restricted to the people who, who have YouTube premium. So that killed a lot of channels. And there were other, uh, a couple of months ago, YouTube came out with a rule that uh, you couldn't show 30 round magazines being inserted in guns. Well, I think, I think they did that because there's, there's certain elements at YouTube who aren't big fans of the civilian ownership of firearms. I don't intend to get political on this, but there's a reason. So I think they did that. But does that affect military videos? Can you show a soldier putting a 30-round magazine in a gun? I mean, that, that's a newsworthy thing. So was I, I don't know if I was caught up in that or not, right? And, you know, one of the things, so you don't know. You don't know if YouTube will suddenly say you can't show smoking in videos anymore. And now, like, half my videos are done. Well, and, <laughs> right? and so like, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, is, you talk about, smoke. you talk about videos that you want to have <laughs> views to long term. And so at my, my last company, we, I wrote hundreds of blog posts and I referred to those mm -hmm. as evergreen content. It was like, it would live on forever. Like I was not trying to make some content that would get a lot of views in one week and nobody cared about anymore. Right. It was like creating that evergreen content. But what you just said is like a serious threat to that evergreen content, right? It's like any time they could take down all this content you you had created, and yeah, that that would suck. And for a while, I was I was saying like, you know, if if YouTube wants a channel full of makeup tutorials, then this is the path they need to keep going going down because that's that's all it'll be. It'll be dances and makeup tutorials, and yeah. maybe that, that's what they want. But one of my one of my proudest moments in the military is I was an instructor for three years. I was an infantry instructor. 
And I, I loved that. I loved being able to teach people things and teach them things that they would need to survive when they went to Iraq or Afghanistan. And when I look at when I when I look at YouTube now, like I I believe I make educational and journalistic videos. And the idea that that can just be cut off arbitrarily is it's kind of terrifying in right. a way. Now, like, thank God I'm still a software engineer, right? Um, and there's other revenue streams. I have a line of T-shirts at Bunker Branding. I have uh, my Substack, which I actually started my Substack not to make money, but because I wanted to be able to post content with combat footage. And How is that footage. going? How's your Substack, Substack going? Substack is actually going pretty well. I, I am, uh, it's because of my Substack subscribers that I'm able to do some things like buy $1,500 worth of satellite footage. Okay. It's because of these guys. And I, I have about 60,000 subscribers on Substack. Oh, wow. And I, I set the, I set the, uh, the and, and maybe about, uh, maybe about less than a tenth of that, maybe 5% of those are paying subscribers. And I try to make mix free and paid content. And I've set the, the, the payment, the, 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 um, the amount of money that I charge as low as Substack will allow. So five bucks. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to get rich off of this. I just need enough money to cover expenses and pay my rent and, and buy food. So buy and put a little bit away for when I do go on a trip to investigate something. So Substack is actually going pretty darn well. Uh, the the t-shirts and stickers, those are doing well too. And I think a lot of that is because I made the t-shirts about you, not about me. Um, I think a lot of channels, when they get a t-shirt deal, because they hit 300,000 subscribers, like now people want to sell their merchandise. Uh, I think a lot of channels, they make the t-shirts about themselves. So fans of the channel can wear their t-shirt and be like, hey, I'm a fan of whatever channel. Yeah. But I, my t-shirts are about the soldier. So I have a, a t-shirt that says live, laugh, launch and has a Patriot missile on it. And I want all of those 14 tangos and 14 echoes, which are the army code for Patriot crewmen. I want all of those soldiers to buy one of those t-shirts and have something of their own. And that, that's why, and wear them under their uniform, which is why I make them in green and in tan. Nice. So they can wear that under their uniform is like a little middle finger to that first sergeant who won't let them do anything fun. So, um, so, one thing I noticed is you're not on TikTok. I couldn't find you on TikTok. No, if you, if I'm not on TikTok and I'm actually, I'm not on Facebook either. And I, I actually found myself on Facebook. So there's, there's going to be a, a nasty gram coming to someone pretty soon. Well, I saw <laughs> some videos of you on TikTok that obviously are not your channel. Same thing. No, it's not me. I, I, TikTok is probably one of the greatest dangers this country has ever faced. I, I would never, ever go on TikTok. Okay, and uh, you know the the scary, the scary part about TikTok, it's not that they're taking your biometrics, which they are, and it's not that they're taking your habits and your location, which they are. It's that TikTok is controlled by a foreign company, which can move the needle. And let's say that uh, China decides to invade Taiwan. Well, all they really need to do are take videos that people are making and either suppress or enhance some of those videos. 
So you might have someone going like doing a, a meme about me during World War III now that China's invading Taiwan. Like the bombs are falling and America's getting destroyed and he's in his in his basement with the juice box, you know. Um, that kind of video they can promote and make people think, oh, wow, America might get nuked if we help Taiwan. Right. But videos where people say, hey, you know, we need to defend democracy, those can get suppressed. I would never, ever, ever go on TikTok. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> so as we, as we wrap up the, the show here, I do want to remind everybody, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. So the I've really, really enjoyed uh, having you on today. This is so awesome. And there's one specific thing you've mentioned, I think, in multiple of your YouTube videos, I definitely wanted to bring up and have you talk about because I, I think it's a great thing for people to think about, uh, was your definition of dilemmas. Ah. Yeah, dilemmas not problems. So, well, you know, war is all about creating dilemmas not problems for your adversary. A problem has multiple, one or more uh, solutions. A dilemma has two or more solutions, all of which are equally bad. So, if you are a classic dilemma, you create a minefield that's overwatched by machine guns. When the enemy enters that minefield, you start shooting at them with machine guns. Now. They can't move forward and assault you because of the minefield. They can't move back because of the minefield. And if they stand up to run away or fight back, you shoot them with the machine gun. That is the classic dilemma. So that's one of the, I don't know if I coined that. I don't know if someone else coined that, but it seems like that's been attributed to me. <laughs> like, in, is, that, in, is that the official definition or is that... The Ryan that, that's the Ryan definition. Macbeth definition. Okay. It's great. Dilemma's not problems for your adversary. A problem has a, a solution. A dilemma has two or more solutions, each of which are equally bad. So whenever you're whenever you're in combat or even in business, you want to create yeah. dilemmas, not problems for your adversary. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why at, I brought it up. I thought that was yeah. a great, a great, uh, a great saying, especially talking about your competitors, like how your competitors have to deal with you, right? It's creating dilemmas for them. I love it. Yeah, if you take a look at uh, Rim, you know the the story of the BlackBerry. You know, you you had you had a dilemma here. We had something that was known for its physical keyboard, you know, and that was now uh, BlackBerry has to choose: do they become a second iPhone or do they yeah. keep their physical yeah. keyboard and look look older? Right. Yeah. That's that is a classic dilemma that Apple created for BlackBerry. Well, I love it. And thank you so much for being on the show today. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that uh, that hopefully are listening to this that have seen you on YouTube. If not, they should definitely go check you out. Ryan Macbeth, you do a great job of covering topics around the Ukraine war, but other military stuff. And uh, thanks for giving us some insight today about running a YouTube channel and, and becoming a full-time you know, content creator and some behind the scenes of that. So I think it's really fascinating. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate this time. All right. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.